to the Batmobile. Let's go. Come on, Bob, for old times, huh? Harley Quinn, nice to meet ya. <laughs> Pardon my French. Fuck those fuckers. Right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Comics in Motion podcast. I am one of your hosts, Chris Phelps, and my co-host and very good friend is Mr. Dave Horrocks. Hi, Chris, and hello to our listeners out there. Welcome to Comics in Motion. What we like to do here is we like to review movies and TV shows that are based on comic books. Myself, I'll be reviewing from the perspective of a long-time comic book reader. And I'll be reviewing from the TV and movie perspective. And what we also like to do is we also like to spoil the hell out of everything we review. So if you haven't watched our choice of the week, then we'd advise you to proceed with caution. And remember, with an average podcast comes no responsibility. Now, Chris, we did have in the calendar, we were going to review something else this week, but with the launch of Disney Plus, what are we going to review? Well, Dave, I think we both fanboyed out and we took the decision to review The Mandalorian, Dave. Yeah, absolutely. So in a, um, we'll have to call out the fact that I think Disney have ballsed up in this staggered approach to rolling out Disney Plus across the world. But uh, if you get yourself a decent VPN, then you can be in America all the time. (laughs) (laughs) So if you are massive super fans, then obviously, you you know, you're going to watch it, aren't you? You're going to VPN yourself in there and and get to watch it. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, Dave. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not saying anymore. (laughs) Now, I'll just go, I've got a tiny bit of comics background because... What I would say is, when Disney took over Lucasfilm, there was a lot of literature out there. There was there was stuff in the comics. There was all these novels written as well, and essentially, you know, there was a lot that Disney had to decide. You know, okay, what is actual canon, and what is outside of that. So when you know, you'll hear people talk about Star Wars canon, and then you'll hear them talk about Legends as well. Now. I think we've spoken about in the past, Star Wars in the comics went back. It was actually issue one came out before the actual movie. That was a thing, you know, George Lucas had approached Stan Lee at Marvel. And and so they produced that first issue adaptation of the movie. And then it went on. That was six issues. Yeah, I think he said that. That run went on for 107 issues and ended in 1986. And then at that time... Star Wars comics were kind of falling out of vogue, with, certainly with Marvel. So essentially, the Blackhorn Publishing released a three-issue run from 1987 through to 1988. But more notably, the license to produce the comics went across to Dark Horse. And so they produced quite a few comics from 1991 to 2014. And the Mandalorian culture... I, I, I'm not going to call it a race because it isn't really a race. They're kind of like, um, it's almost like a Celtic culture. So it's more about a way of life, more so than a specific race. So most of them tend to be like humanoids, you might say. But um, 
they're basically this warrior race and they ended up settling down on Mandalore uh, with their leader, Mandalore the First. And Dark Horse have got a load of these comics. Tales of the Jedi in particular explores a lot of that and the Mandalorian Wars where they basically try and take over the whole galaxy. And uh, yeah, there's a ton of good stuff there. But unfortunately, when Disney took over, they basically said, okay, canon is the movies. And then um, I think the Clone Wars cartoons, they're all in canon as well. And then, of course, when Disney took over Marvel and Lucasfilm, they had everything under one umbrella then. So basically in uh, 2014, there's a comic, Star Wars Darth Maul, Son of Doth son of Dothamir and basically after that you can consider everything in the Marvel comics is treated as being in canon unless it specifically says you know part of legends so legends being this this wider uh, expanded universe now Chris how about this pilot background yeah well it was originally the idea was born in around about 2009 and there's actually 50 different scripts written by the, uh, written for this by 2012. Now, around 2012, obviously, Disney acquired uh, Lucasfilm and it sort of went on the back burner, but it was always the intention of coming out. The original running title was Star Wars Underworld. Now, uh, March 2018, there was buzz that they were going to be making a Mandalorian movie or something around the Boba Fett character. And then John Favreau was uh, signed on as the writer and executive producer of the first series. Now, they did want him to direct a lot of the first series, but because of his commitments with The Lion King, he simply just couldn't do it. He didn't have the time. Now, he has actually already started with the storyboard and the pre-production of series two of The Mandalorian. And he has said that he will direct at least a couple of the episodes of the next series. So that's pretty good. Now, casting-wise, in November 2018, it was announced that Pedro Pascal of Game of Thrones fame, uh, Gina Carone, who's an MMA fighter, she's been in Deadpool 2, uh, Deadpool 1, sorry, and then obviously Nick Nolte, who's uh, acting royalty, all got cast within roles and... One of my heroes, Dave, Carl Weathers from the Rocky, Apollo Creed. Filming-wise, Dave, now I know we've talked about this on across our podcasts regarding Mr. George Lucas and his involvement within certain movies. And <laughs> he did surprise John Favreau for his birthday, Dave, in October 2019 and came on set as we were doing the last bit of production. And he's also uncredited as having an involvement in creating the show. Now, whether it's just because his name's on the tin, Dave, I don't know, but we'll we'll have to... You reckon he brought in the donuts? Well, let's hope that he come in with a Phantom Menace uh, type script <laughs> and John Favreau just said, no, we're not having that. And that's the only involvement he had, so I'm not sure. But anyway, I digress. Now, it came out on November the 12th, 2019 in the United Kingdom. Uh, in the United Kingdom. It certainly didn't come out in the United Kingdom unless you've got a VPN, as Dave said at the top of the show. Uh, and it's available in 4K in the US Disney+. Plus. It will be available March, two, uh, March 2020 in the United Kingdom and Europe. Now, reception-wise, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a great score. It's at 87%. Um, out of 100, that's based on 69 reviews. And the user review is slightly less. It's 7.74 out of 10. And then on Metacritic, which is, I find a bit unusual, it's at 68% out of 100 based on 22 critics' reviews, obviously a general favorable uh, reviews. And also, uh, Walt Disney Studios CCO, Alan Horn, has actually said in the last week that if this series becomes a success, they will definitely look at developing an actual movie adaption 
So that'd be quite interesting, Dave. We'll have to see how that plays hmm. out. And then, um, yeah. Yeah, it is interesting, isn't it? So I guess just before we go into our review, I mean, uh, in terms of, you know, we, we got exposed to uh, Boba Fett in Empire Strikes Back. That was the first time, wasn't it? Yeah. And they had a, he kind of had a comedy death in Return of the Jedi, didn't they? Uh, quick plug for our Star Wars event coming up, by the way. So I think the first one will be across a new, uh, it will be a New Hope review that will come out on uh, the VHS Strikes Back. That will be on the 27th of November, I think. Then we'll be, uh, we'll have a couple of episodes across on the 20th Century Geek, and then we'll have another couple of episodes on Genuine Chit Chat. And through all those episodes, we'll be going through the original trilogy, the prequel trilogy. We'll be looking at what's come out since with this new batch of films, um, and we'll speculate a bit about The Rise of Skywalker as well. But I mean, going to that original trilogy, Chris, I mean, did you have any kind of feelings for Boba Fett? Did you like him? Did you dislike him? Did you have the action figure? (laughs) Um, It's a very good last question, actually. I had the action figure, without a doubt. He was actually one of my favourite figures. But I'll be honest with you, and as you said, we are doing a full Star Wars, you know, collaboration with the two fantastic podcasts. And I've rewatched them all again. And, you know, as you know, I'm a massive Star Wars fanboy and you are, Dave. We make no bones about that. I don't get the the actual fascination with Boba Fett from the original movies. I really, really, he just passes me by. He's like this cult figure within the Star Wars fan base that he's in it for a little bit of The Empire Strikes Back, the start of Return of the Jedi. He gets whipped by Luke pretty much. And then after that, everyone used to, I mean, I've, I've known it since I was a kid, Dave. I'm sure the same, but... I just don't get it. However, I also like the fact that they were a race that was underused within the movies and we get the chance to explore it in this actual series. So so in that respect, yes, but I honestly don't understand the Boba Fett one fest that everyone goes on about because <laughs> it's just it just don't get it at all, to be honest. I mean, what, what do you think of him, I, Dave? Honestly, I loved him. Um, I think there were a few different things to that. I think the fact that he was so underused... Let's let's face it. First and foremost, he looks cool as fuck. <laughs> and yeah. That, yeah, that is does, the main thing. So I think I, I lean towards Wolverine as well, probably for the same reason when I was a kid. But also, um, I, I don't know if you remember, but my dad was always uh, sending off a mail order for these different figures. So so you'd always go to uh, what was it? Was it toys toys and hobby or something? Toy and hobby. Toy and yeah, hobby. Yeah, yeah, I used yeah. to go in Manchester. Um, yeah. So, you know, they if you wanted to get Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Princess Leia, all of those, yeah, they're, they're always stocked with plenty of those. But for some of the more obscure characters, you could send off for mail order. And also, uh, you'd have these random ones that you could get as well. So somehow I ended up with three Boba Fett characters, uh, uh, action figures. But I was absolutely, absolutely fine with that because I just thought he was cool as anything. You know, you're looking at his distinctive armor. You know, he's not just, he's not like the stormtroopers, which are predominantly white with a bit of black. You know, he's got quite a few colors in there. So I, I thought he was absolutely brilliant. I, I, I'm more a fan of him, even though, I mean, the way he's seen off in Return of the Jedi is proper slapstick nonsense, isn't it? I mean, Han Solo just accidentally yeah. uh, sets his jetpack off. So I think that that was a mistake. It's another. It was another clue that George Lucas just didn't really know what he had. I don't think. Um, you know, he had this cool character which was just seen off in this comedy way. But I mean, I, I absolutely loved him, and uh, 
again in in the comics they do explore it a lot more um and the fact that you know they have traditionally they you know this this warrior race uh sorry not warrior race this warrior culture goes back for thousands of years and because they they really don't like the Jedi's because the Jedi's can like use the force and stuff. So they start to build up this technology so that they can, uh, they can go up against them. So they naturally kind of end up aligning with the, the Sith and, uh, you know, so stuff like, you know, the Jedi's can jump really high and stuff using the, all the force and that, well, these guys develop jetpacks, you know, to try and go toe to toe with them. So I, I, I think they're fascinating, and I'm really excited for this series. Dave, I think you're right. I, th- I, th- I think that's the one thing I take out of this is I'm so excited to explore this extended Star Wars universe because I, th- I think when they've stepped just outside the box with Star Wars and we haven't just got the Luke Skywalker, you know, the whole uh, family thing and all that, I've enjoyed it. I mean, Rogue One is probably my, my favourite movie that's been released over the last few years. I mean, I like Force Awakens, but I, I genuinely think that's the best one and it hasn't got any of them in it. So, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think, I think as a character, fantastic. And I, I agree, he looks cool as fuck, Dave. He does. I, the figure was ace. I love the colours of the figure. And you're right, Toy and Hobby, that's where I got my Millennium Falcon from. But I did have the staple figures i had luke and han solo from return of the jedi i had him up uh, from the first one at uh, new hope chewbacca but figures like that are exactly the same i mean wasn't jabba the hut really difficult to get hold of dave uh i can't remember i mean i, I it's gonna come across like i was a bit spoiled but but i i didn't have all of them but i had most of them and that's just I, i'm sure i said it on on one of our other podcasts that we've we've recorded for the star wars event but um all my family, and you know, I had quite a few uncles and, and uh, what have you, and I'd, so they'd all get me the figures. So I do remember I had the uh, the Jabba the Hutt. He had a little switch that would move his tail. Uh, he also had the little uh, thing that just laughs at him, you know. The... <laughs> <laughs> that thing you had uh, a little trapdoor thing that you used to sit on as well that you could open up and put you know luke skywalker in and stuff so <laughs> it was great but yeah I, I had the ewok village i had a millennium falcon most of it was second hand but honestly you, you don't care do you as a kid you know dave you had more, miles more than me i just remember getting the the millennium falcon and I, that was my birthday present all my money i had some money because i wanted it i remember getting that and i started transform i think you mentioned that on one of our shows upcoming but no i it's one of them and also my brother-in-law who as you know sam is sam's brother there's these three of them these two sisters one brother uh all the girl stuff got discarded dave Never to be seen. The one, Sam, my mother-in-law in her loft, and I've been up there, has probably got about three or four items by both of the girls. And, you know, bear in mind, you know, we're all in our 40s now, younger sisters, late 30s. And I went up there and I'd look in the loft and I am not exaggerating, Dave, when I say that every single piece of her brother's Star Wars stuff is <laughs> up there in boxes labelled all the original stuff. You've got the X-Wing fighter, you've got the Atats, you've got the Millennium Falcon, you've got hundreds of figures, Dave, and she's kept all of them. I mean, her brother would never get rid of them, but he won't even let his son have them <laughs> because he's only like five or six and he'll just absolutely wreck them. So, um, yeah, it's one of the things when I go up there, I'm like, you bastard. 
please, you know, just 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 say you don't want them. And I'll be like, yeah, no problem. But they're not going anywhere. They're nearly 40 years old, all them, Dave. And the fact that most of them are in absolutely pristine condition is unbelievable. Yeah, mine were all played to death. So I think I don't think mine would, would yeah. fetch anything, to be quite honest, you know. But, um, yeah, I was a bit gutted. I'd, I'd mentioned on the previous podcast, hadn't I, that... I was, I was gutted because my mum and dad chucked them all out and I'm like, what the fuck? You know, don't not necessarily yeah. sell them. Might still want to play with them. <laughs> yeah. And it's only in hindsight, you're right, you're so right, because like Millennium Falcon, like you could lift the back off where the chessboard was and everything, but you couldn't walk through to like the cockpit. That was a separate bit. You just yeah. lifted the front off and you had the wheel, you had the legs on it and everything. And I remember it so, so well. You could, you just could lift it underneath, couldn't you? And like, as if you were flying it, you could hold it underneath. And uh, I mean, I probably ended up, there's that many brothers and sisters of mine, as you know, I'm the oldest of nine. It was probably jumped on, used as a goalpost or something <laughs> yeah. when I sort of... You, finish with it and, and it is stuff that I, I look back and think what the hell did my mum do with all that stuff because you don't think of it as teenagers you just they're all sort of indispensable they're dispensable aren't they you sort of like I fucking need that now but when I look back I think god I've had so many of them things that were just fantastic I could kick myself now so should we play our trailer let's go Is the world more peaceful since the revolution? It is a shame that your people suffered. But bounty hunting is a complicated profession. said you were coming. They said you were the best in the Parsec. Would you agree? The first thing is, you open up with this uh, interesting title card, which did seem a little bit MCU to me. The, the way, you know, you have all the different characters flashing up, and it, it was quite a neat animation. I mean, what, what do you think of that, Chris? Yeah, I like it, Dave, and I like the fact that there's not one iteration of music that you can associate with Star Wars, to be honest. Uh, I don't know if you picked up on that, but it's got its own style, and I quite like that. I quite like the fact that they, they haven't sort of cheaped out, well, not yet anyway, whether we see it across the other seven episodes, but the whole start, and the, I mean, Dave, let's be honest, the actual 4K and the, the quality and the production of what you're watching on screen, he's, he's got to be up there with some of the best movies as well. It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it is. I, and I do think, like you say, they're not just 
rolling out the old John Williams score. It is uh, it is its own thing, but I do think the music is great. It looks great. But I tell you what, Chris, you know, because of what we've been doing with the Star Wars event, we've obviously looked at the original trilogy. We've gone back to the prequels. And, you know, the prequels are obviously newer. Uh, and it looked, you know, like synthetic. And this just, to me, straight away when... The Mandalorian, you know, because we don't know what his name is or anything. This isn't Boba Fett. This isn't uh, Jango Fett. This is set after Return of the Jedi and before Force Awakens, so before the First Order have all come up. And it just looks to me like Star Wars. And I was just like, as soon as he walks in there, I'm just like, oh, I'm going to like this. Yeah, and it's interesting. I think he's not, I know know you probably know his name. His name's uh, Din Jaron, the Mandalorian. D Y N J A R R E N. Oh, is he? I, I didn't pick. Yeah, I yeah. didn't pick up on that in the uh, in the episode. Is is that? No, I, I haven't. Is that on Wikipedia <laughs> or something? Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't even sit here and pretend I'm fucking geeking out because I'm not, Dave. It's just a wiki. It just says Pedro Pascal as Din Jaron Stroke Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> so I could I could try and black it, but I'm not going to, my friend. I'm not. And, and he doesn't. You're right. There's no mention of anything to do with him at all. Yeah. His name, I mean, yeah. sorry. But, yeah, when he walks into the cantina, I mean, when, in that original New Hope, you know, we get the, the whole um, Moss Eisley, it's a hive of villain, uh, of scum and villainy. Um, but it never really looks like that, does it? It, it kind of looks no. okay, whereas this does look like a proper dive bar, doesn't it? And you see, you recognize again when I had the figures, I, don't, I probably know all the names of these alien types. I'm sure there's plenty of people who do. I bet Mike would across on Genuine Chit Chat, he'd probably know the names of them all. But you recognize them from like, you know, parties at Jabba's Palace or um, the original cantina scene. And, and I just thought, oh, this, this is looking great. But straight away, I felt like it was a bit of a um, Clint Eastwood Western type feel to it. Yeah, like a shootout, like someone's gone into a saloon bar sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, straight away. And so, you know, you get these ruffians, they're uh, roughing up this this blue guy and they want to cut his gills out. And then you get the Mandalorian walking in, he's going about his own business. He's not particularly rattled by anything. Um, And then, you know, the other guy, the head of the ruffians, you know, comes across, he's like, you spilled my drink. And he's just not bothered at all. And then, you know, the the barman tries to defuse the situation, says, you know, have this drink. Mandalorian catches it and then proceeds to take some fucking names. (laughs) Now, obviously, Dave, you did say, you're right, he takes some absolute names. You did say, because you know I do not like Star Trek. And I know we've talked about this off air, but you were right. You didn't think I would take did you to, to the initial start of this because you'd said to me initially you felt a bit star trekky didn't it yeah. and i get that I, I get that and i get the blue character because he's a bit chatty and he looks like he could possibly be the mandalorian sidekick because he's getting you know he's getting absolutely overpowered and bullied around but no dave i am all in on this absolutely blown away i was like this this can't be a tv show this is the production of this is as good as the movies. And I'm pretty certain that 
the Rise of Skywalker is going to see this same production level, Dave, because for a TV show, it's got to be up there just for detail and the proper Star Wars aesthetics and the way they've done the continuity. I just think it looks fucking brilliant. Yeah, I guess just to explain the Star Wars comment. So for me, the, the aliens in Star Wars and Star Trek always looked quite different. So you either had in Star War, in the Star Wars universe, you had things like you know the Boba Fett's, the uh, the stormtroopers, which you know it was a lot about the armor, the suits, and then you had the genuine aliens, and they they didn't look anything like human. Whereas Star Trek slapped some different colored makeup on them, you know, give them a few accentuated features, in this case gills, and they just speak away with an American accent. And and I, as soon as he yeah. came on screen, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna have a negative about it, I I don't think he belongs in the Star Wars universe. To be honest, there's just something about him that is off for me. Yeah, and I said to you, dinner that it reminds me. Is it the Krull, Dave, of Captain Marvel? That that. Uh, the Cree, Cree. Sorry, yeah, the Cree, yeah, yeah. The, Krull. the Cree, um, because it reminds me of that where the guy obviously is the leader of the of them. The Cree is actually just, you can just see it's just a guy with a fake face on, isn't it, really? And we know the actor yeah. as well because he's got a bit of a list. He's the guy out of uh, The Dark Knight Rises and stuff like that. He's been in various other things. So uh, you know exactly who the character is. But no, it didn't really distract me from it. And what's quite interesting is if if we, we sort of go back slightly, because obviously this guy takes an absolute pommel in Dunny. I'm not even sure what his character is called, to be honest, Dave. But he takes a right good kick in Dunny at the start. And... Uh, oh, Horatio Sands is, is the guy who plays the character. It's Mithril. That's who he's, he's going after the bounty at the start, Dave. And right. Not that we know who the fuck that is, but Mithril anyway. We'll just we'll just <laughs> run with that. Mithril. Like I, again, like I know what I'm doing, but I've literally got Wikipedia open just for this one because I don't know the characters yet. But genuinely, is we saw that in the Empire, when they get Han Solo, they, they, they're preparing Luke, aren't they, to put him in the Carbonite. And yep. they say, like, we're going to try him, you know, and he'll be like the experiment hand solo, and that's what they do. Well, you fast forward, because this is supposed to be set in it five years after the end of Return of the Jedi. Yeah. And it's now the norm that all the bounties are in this carbonite, aren't they? Because he yeah, put this guy yeah. in there, which which I find interesting, because I wasn't sure with you where, where this is set, because there's something else that happens later on, which we'll talk about. Because I thought, is it before it? Is it? And obviously, I was wrong, but... It, I just think everything about it, I'm just all in. He's an absolute badass in this, and he really is. Well, he is, isn't he? I mean, before we get to the Carbonite bit, I mean, when he takes those names, and and in particular, that alien, again, I had a figure of him. He, he was definitely in Jabba's Palace. Um, he's one of those aliens when Luke falls down into, into the Rancor monster, and he's there, one of the main cheerleaders going, yeah, yeah. He gets cut in half, and I'm like, Oof, yeah. this isn't the uh this isn't the prequels. <laughs> that was the worst. I knew you were gonna say something bad then. I was <laughs> <laughs> gonna say this wasn't the prequels we're looking for, die. but anyway. <laughs> I thought that I've watched that shit over the last couple of days. He's the worst ever. I can understand the hate now. I could never understand the hate, but watching it again, he's Oh, I'm just sorry, guys. I'm I'm just haunted. You know, like Chris said, we've both been watching the we we did the original trilogy first, then the prequels, and I'm like, we're not jumping on the bandwagon. I've gone in again, thinking time might be a great healer. It's not. 
<laughs> no, no. I, t- I said to you, Dave, I know on the podcast I've not mentioned, but I've said to you, when that guy says to him at the end, when they're fighting at the end of Phantom Menace, he goes, Jaja, you in doo-doo. Oh. I was like, oh, who the fuck written this? Who written this shit? I was proper picking the pillar up and headbutting it like, well, who the fuck has ruined this film? It's, oh, it's terrible. But anyway, <laughs> we'll, we'll, luckily it's not the Mandalorian. We'll get to that in our prequels discussion, won't we? So, so that, that'll be on the... Um... See, we're triggered. That'll be on the 20th Century Geek, that one, and we're recording that one next Thursday. So we're all prepared and trying not to... We're chomping at the bit to to destroy that, quite honestly. But, I mean, here, you're right. I mean, that was George Lucas' crappy dialogue, wasn't it? But um, this, you know, when it, after he's taken all the names, cut this guy in half and whatever, and you get that kind of gruesome sound effect. You don't see a lot, but, you know, it sounded pretty gruesome. He's talking away, this guy's saying, you know, you can keep the credits and what have you. And he's like, I can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold. And it's just, you know, less is more, isn't it, with the with the dialogue here. And yeah. just, that's, I think, you know, as well as going into the saloon, you know, wanting to keep himself to himself, but being the hardest bloke there. That's what gives me that kind of Clint Eastwood Western vibe. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah, yeah. And then he takes him, he's in this ice planet. I don't think they mention it. I don't think it's Hoth. Um, But, you know, we get some, again, this is a TV show, isn't it? But the effects, when you get that big fish thing trying to take down the speeder, we learn a bit about the Mandalorian. He doesn't like droids, does he? No. You know, I don't know whether that goes back to the Clone Wars or, but, but this is something about our character that we know. So he wants to take this speeder again. You get a little callback on the aliens that we saw from the original trilogy, and uh, yeah, it's just you've got this this blue guy, this talker. He's talking away, talking about emptying his thorax, and then I'm pretty sure this is the first appearance of a toilet in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> yeah. But then that's where he, he stumbles across all the, uh, all this cargo, you know, this, uh, this bounty to go kind of thing, <laughs> you know, and, and I must admit, I thought, fuck me, that just looks amazing. Yeah, it does. It looked mint, Dave, it did. And the, even the speed racer stuff, it's come so far. Obviously, in the original New Hope, it was just a you know, a practical effect. And you could clearly see it was on stilts or it was on wheels behind a rock when the, the sand people are going after Luke, aren't they, and stuff. Um, but yeah, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And I think as well, Dave, from there, he, he ends up in that farmer's sort of yard, doesn't he, against it? They're called Blurgs, them two big, sort of, like bull things, aren't they? He has to sort of yeah, tame, doesn't he? And he, yeah. he nearly gets taken out, doesn't he, uh, fighting them. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know how I felt about that. Again, it was a bit of a callback, wasn't it, to A New Hope? Yeah. Where you have the sand people sort of coming up on Luke. But Luke's a whiny little kid. You know, this is a badass Mandalorian warrior. We've just seen him absolutely destroy a bunch of blokes in the cantina. And the way you've got this big hulking beast, I, I didn't quite buy that it would just creep up on him like that or it didn't even creep up on him it's just like suddenly you know you've got one that's off in the distance and then what one's on top of him you know and he's got his little flamethrower there but he's biting down on his arm 
yeah, I, I I just didn't quite buy that, but I like the retro feel to you know the the little goggles and stuff that that he had on there. Yeah, and I think as well, what, what's really interesting is this episode only runs at forty minutes, and for me, it's the absolute sweet spot because I, I you know I don't, don't get me wrong, I could have watched this for an hour and a half, two hours with, with no problem at all. If you if you do binge watch it, then you know please enjoy yourself. I don't think you're going to be leaving the house if it's the same quality all the way through, but. I was so pleased with this day being 40 minutes because I thought, you know what, this is brilliant. So at that point, he then ends up going to get this other bounty, doesn't he? And obviously he knows that the other bounty hunters have died. And then he runs into, and, and what you were saying about it, Clint Eastwood, Dave, the field, his character is described in the press releases as Clint Eastwood-esque, the actual Mandalorian. That's what they're saying about him. Uh, that, right, now, okay. now this end whole fight scene, which is fantastic, is very, very Western shootout. He's very Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, you know, Paul Newman and Robert Redford. It's... Well, before we go right to the end, do we not want to talk about Nick Nolte? <laughs> Let's talk about Nick Nolte, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> because I wasn't sure how much makeup they had to use for him there. <laughs> <laughs> now now day <laughs> you look better i think <laughs> well again you get this little scene where he's trying to um what do you call them blurgs blurg yeah blurgs yeah so he's he's essentially trying to uh, uh tame one of these isn't he and so you got old nick nolte there which you know again it, Possibly a little bit convenient that he just wants to help him there, but you know he does, and so he, he ends up having uh, getting to ride this thing. And again, I guess you know if he if he didn't have such an aversion to droids, then uh, he wouldn't have to do this. But again, it just tells us a little bit more about the character, doesn't it? And so uh, yeah, yeah. I, I must admit, I wasn't sure who Nick Nolte was at first. No, I had you. to look it up. I missed it. I missed it. I watched it and totally missed it. I asked you, didn't I? And you... <laughs> oh, thank you for looking that up. But, <laughs> but no, you sent me the picture of you. I was like, oh, yeah. Because I didn't even pick up on the voice or anything. But no, the, I mean, the end bit of the movie, of the movie it's not even a movie, the, the episode, I thought it was fucking ace, Dave. I absolutely loved it. Full blast, soundbar on, and it just goes fucking loopy, done it, for about 10 minutes. This shootout, He's absolutely awesome for me. The production level, everything. He runs into a bounty hunter droid, doesn't he, called IG-11. Yeah. And he, he's a weird droid. He's got a spinny head, spinny body. Uh, he sort of shoots at the Mandalorian, and he's like, no, we're bounty hunters. And he, he's obviously all following protocol because he's a droid and all this. And then it's just them against about 40 people. But even though when you watch a movie, you'll see, like, you know, and I love, obviously, you know, Lethal Weapon, Beverly Hills Cop, Axel Foley, Eddie Murphy and that. But even that, at the end of Beverly Hills Cop 1, when he's fighting, there's three of them fighting about 60 blokes. You still, even then, even now watching, think, this fucking would never have happened. Yeah. At some point, they got shot. With this, it's believable, I think, because they're actually under the cost for a long time, and it's more using tactics to, to get the better of everyone. But it's an absolute wash of bodies everywhere. Yeah, no, it is an awesome action scene, isn't it? And of course, the the robot shot him initially, which which probably didn't help his uh, hatred of droids. <laughs> you know, but, really, but he no. thinks because uh, he'd got this bounty from from old Carl Weathers, hadn't he? And and honestly, yeah. I had no idea Carl Weathers was in this. So when he pops up I, again, it just it took my enjoyment from you know 
being quite high to very high. It's like, oh, look, you know, because I've not seen Carl Weathers in anything for years, to be honest. No, no. I think he's been in a a, a TV show where based on, we watched one, or we did watch one called Chicago Fire. Samster watches it uh, like a normal show. And it, it, I'm sure he's somewhat like Chicago Law. He's one of the main lawyers or something. And I've never seen it, but because I follow him on Twitter, so I know that he has been quite active in that, Dave, as a, as a mainstay of a normal TV show. So this, this is a step up from what he's been right, doing, obviously. Right. So, yeah, I guess because um, – so from Carl Weathers, he'd gone to meet these uh, – this remnants of the Empire, weren't they? So you, you got some stormtroopers in there. You can see that the Empire's all pretty much destroyed, but you've still got these, uh, I, I guess, splintered groups trying to bring back the glory days. And so they'd sent him off. And so it's when uh, the Mandalorian name drops the the guild for bounty hunters, you know, with the robot. And then he's like, well, you know, we can work together. And he's like, this this is acceptable, you know. And, and then, like I say, it's just a fantastic Western shootout, you know, um, just absolutely fantastic. But I must say what I did love is that, uh, you know, the robot, when he, when he uh, looks like he's about to get captured, and it seemed to happen more than once, he's like, oh, I can't get captured. Yep. I'm going to initiate self-destruct. <laughs> <laughs> I think he did it three times, I think, Dave. Yeah, I, I wasn't counting, but I, I noticed it was more than once for sure. And, and as you mentioned in Rogue One, what, what was the robot for that? Uh, I think it was K2SO, Dave. <laughs> yeah. I just found quite quite amusing, but um I mean the Mandalorian uh manages to convince him, you know, not to do that. And so he talks him off the ledge a few times, three apparently, and and then uh, you know they they defeat all the bad guys who who are protecting the asset. Yes, big time, Dave, big time. And and what we get then is this is where my timeline didn't have a clue what I was watching. I, I just couldn't understand at what point in the Star Wars universe this was because there's been a lot of stuff when I watched Solo. That's that is a bit iffy that timeline, big time. The young Han Solo, because it, it, I, yeah. I'm still not convinced when that is or what, where it falls between Revenge of the Sith and obviously A New Hope. But um, yeah, it, it comes to it, and there's a little pod there, isn't there? This little sort of pod in the corner, and IG Eleven sort of lifts the lid up, and he's about to shoot it, isn't he, and take it out, and we, we sort of start seeing this little creature start coming from behind the the quilt sort of thing or the, the sheet or blanket, whatever it is. And then you see the ears, Dave, and straight away you're like, no, this, because I didn't have a clue. So I was thinking, no, surely, surely it's not. And it's a, basically a baby Yoda. Yeah. And what did you think of that, Dave? Because this is where my timeline was like, well, Yoda's 900 years old when he dies in Return of the Jedi. How old <laughs> you know, when, when's this, this from sort of thing? But it's actually, obviously, it's a species of Yoda, isn't it? 
Yeah, so it's interesting. I mean, there's so many, I mean, there's so much information out on the internet. There's so many people who are so passionate about Star Wars. And like I say, in the novels, in the comics and everything, it goes into great detail about these alien species that just basically flash up on the on a cantina scene for like a second. And, th- and then that's it. And then someone goes off and builds this whole backstory. Whereas for Yoda, his species has never been on... Uh, his species has never been named. No, which which seems a bit odd. Now there was one in the prequels, a, a lady kind of Yoda. Again, Yoda's his name, isn't it? So it's not the yeah. species. But I, I can't remember what what her name is from the prequels. And so they they'd said in the build up to this that that the asset, the the bounty, was fifty years old. And IG Eleven says, doesn't he? he says. Um, different species age at different times and you know i think after episode eight i think disney in my opinion came in for a bit of unfair criticism you know that they completely destroyed the star wars uh franchise i think i think the prequels uh started to do that and i think disney rescued the franchise from george lucas tinkering anymore to be quite honest but um yeah if you think about it if it's 50 years old, this let's call it Baby Yoda because we don't know what the species yeah. is. If it's 50 yeah. years old, that that predates the prequels. Yeah. Because if yeah. I th- I'm sure the prequels like, say, I don't know, 30 years before. Um, oh, in fact, the, the last one, the last prequel, um, not Attack of the Clones. What, what is it? Avengers Revenge of the Sith. That's the one. So that if Luke's 18 or whatever in A New Hope... You know, I guess the first one, Phantom Menace, you could say, well, that's that's maybe thirty years before uh, A New Hope, so it's fifty years. Definitely predates but, the prequels, doesn't it? Yeah, because Anakin actually says, "Don't he?" In in because I've just watched it, Attack of the Clones, he actually says to Padme, "It's been ten years." Oh, to Obi Wan, he says, "I've not seen it for ten years." So he was only like eight or nine, yeah, wasn't he? In the, yeah. the Phantom Menace. So he's nineteen. Wizard. Obviously, by. <laughs> well, I, I take it revenge. <laughs> take it revenge of the Sith. He's probably two or three years on from Attack of the Clones because his hair changes and stuff like that, doesn't he? Become you know, you had he's the Clone more, Wars. Uh, he's, yeah, the Clone Wars. That's what I'm saying. So I'm presuming it's at least three or four years. So yeah, you're probably right, Dave. It's probably. I mean, he is 900 years old, Yoda, isn't he? Yeah, Return yeah. the Jedi because he says that, doesn't he? So uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think it's one of them. You t- you tell me that all the time. I really go in depth. If you think about it too much, so, you just tie so yourself in knots, don't you, these timelines? If he's 50 now, and in Return of the Jedi, Yoda was 900, then Yoda must must have been on the job like when he was about 850. <laughs> <laughs> well, if he's, if he's actually his kid anyway. Yeah. <laughs> if it is Yoda. But... <laughs> yeah, if it's Yoda, yeah. Fucking hell, his fucking lightsaber must have been falling off when he was 850. But... <laughs> That's right. I mean, we don't know. Like I say, we've only known those two species, you know, so... <laughs> it remains to be seen whether this is old man Yoda, um, <laughs> Star Wars Viagra, or, <laughs> or if it's uh, something else. But 
I must admit, was not expecting this again. Where I was going with the whole Disney thing, when Baby Yoda popped up, I did think, "Oh crikey, the the Star Wars fans are going to go nuts at how cute this is," because it was super cute, wasn't it? But I, I, I loved it to be honest. Yeah, and I think what I like as well, Dave, is and I, you know, I'm not a big fan of Yoda at all. Uh, it's just anyway. I won't go into that. I'll leave that for our um, prequel talks and stuff across the other podcasts as we've uh, promoted a few times today. Uh, yeah, I'm not a fan. You know, I'm not a fan. But I think it's a good call to use his race and some sort of tie-in with Yoda because it's not the Skywalker stuff. You're telling a different story. Whether it's his nephew, his son, I don't know, or it's just a race i haven't got a clue but it, it leaves you with a bit of intrigue at the end of it to go oh shit i want to watch the next one so it leaves you on that nice cliffhanger which sets up the yeah. whole series and the time. fact that there's only eight there's eight episodes in this first season i've got to think there's there's gonna be some kind of tie in there's gonna be some nods maybe some easter eggs in rise of skywalker as well i going into it i didn't i had no idea when this was going to be set yeah, it's yeah, only yeah. because you had Werner Herzog in there and, you know, with all the stormtroopers behind him and talking about, you know, how the, the Empire's uh, basically no more, not what it was kind of thing, that, that, you know, it's kind of after Return of the Jedi. So um, because of that, that means it's, you know, before Force Awakens, it's before the First Order have rose up. And so, I, again, I, I've got to think it's got to tie up, but for, you know, half the world... Um, they're not going to see this till next year. No, and that's true. That's true. I mean, obviously, no. The Rise of Skywalker is probably set. I don't know. It's got to be set at least thirty years after Return of the Jedi because of how old Han Solo is and Leia and, and Luke and that. They're obviously sixty mm-hmm. oddish, aren't they, or whatever. Um, but in this world, Dave, which I'm not sure how you're going to do that. Whether you see the Millennium Falcon flashing by, Han Solo, Chewie, Leia, Luke Skywalker, they're all still there. They're all there as young people, aren't they? It's only five years after Return of the Jedi. So whether there's a nod there or a wink somewhere or, you know, there's, there's something, it does say he's on the outskirts of like a, a, a planet that is totally out of the way of the sort of, not the Empire, but mm-hmm. before the New Order comes in or whatever. So maybe that's how they tell it, as like it's just completely on the other side of the galaxy. I'm not sure, but there'll definitely be some, I agree, there'll be some sort of Easter egg somewhere along the lines yeah, to, no, towards no, one I, of them characters. I can't wait, you know, especially going through, doing this Star Wars no. events, you know, going back, watching the prequels, uh, sorry, going back, watching the original trilogy, then the prequels, um, getting infuriated with nerd rage around that, but then, you know, coming in and watching this, I'm salivating for Rise of Skywalker now. I am, to be fair, Dave, because we've done so much watching, as much as the prequels are bobbins, and there's some bits in them are not bad, Phantom Menace you just forget about, but the rest of them have not been too bad. It's, 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 reminding me of why I love the Star Wars world so much. So, no, I'm with you, Dave. I absolutely love it. And uh, I think we should get into our review, Dave. Yeah, let's go. So, I'll go first, Dave. That's all right. Yeah. Um, What I would say with this is I had no expectations, no no, no real. I not really done a lot of research. I knew it was John Favreau was was on as the executive producer, the writer, so I knew the production levels were going to be high. You know, obviously he's MCU 
he's legendary within the MCU. Obviously, he's in he's lucky in Iron Man and the Avengers, but obviously he directed through is it the original Iron Man day? Uh, he did Iron Man um, one and two, yeah, yeah. Yeah, one or two, and, and you know, he's he's a great director, he's well respected. So I knew that he's not gonna be trying or hoping he's not gonna pr- produce a turkey of a movie. Now, don't get me wrong, Disney Plus is very, very left well, it's left me very salty because of the way, and it's not because of this Mandalorian, the fact that we've got to wait six months in the UK to get it. Uh, other than you know using a VPN, which is a shame, really, because like you've said, the way the world is and the way people spoil things, you look at it with the Avengers and that, Dave, Endgame, Infinity War, anything like that you're trying to watch, we have to stay off our yeah. social media because some idiot will ruin it. I remember got to watch The Force Awakens, Midnight Launch, and I'll be doing the same with Rise of Skywalker because someone put on yesterday, uh, seen Rise of Skywalker, it's the best Star Wars yet, right? I've seen that on there. No context so it gets me hyped some knobhead on force awakens had actually been in the cinema and got the bit when spoiler you've not seen the force awakens by the way guys three two one when han solo gets stabbed uh you know gets you know when um kylo ren kills his dad and someone put that video on and i saw that literally about an hour before i was going into the cinema and that was my own fault yeah it's my own fault for, for for doing that because i should have been more savvy and gone why the hell have you gone on social media but that's what you get unfortunately. So six months is a long time to wait. There's going to be so much information out there. And you know, and we know there's so many of our podcasting friends who will be doing the same thing. And it's such a shame. So, so either way, that's one of the reasons I've not paid a lot of attention. So sorry for a little Disney plus rant then Dave, apologies. But uh, with this production level is fantastic. It's movie level of production. And I'm glad it's eight episodes for the simple reason. Shows that I love, like the Smallville and stuff like that, they just fill 20 episodes. And you might get eight episodes in a tw- in a 20 series, a 20 show series that are actually relevant to the story they're trying to tell on the cliffhanger. And then you get 12 episodes of just shit, basically, and fill a story. I'm not saying the episodes aren't enjoyable, but they're not telling a story. They just splinter off. Like, you know, because he's a bounty hunter. It's all like, oh, go and get this bounty. I don't want that where we have five episodes of him just chasing people and there's no real story. I think this hopefully will be the sweet spot for eight episodes because I've got a feeling if you put them all together, it'd just be one continuous yeah. long movie. A bit like Game of Thrones, Dave, in the early especially in the early series for me. But what I would say, I'm sending it to Atlantis. There's no reason for me not to send it to Asgard at all because I absolutely loved it. I love it so much. I think that this could be up there with Daredevil, Dave. You know how much Daredevil 1, Series 1 and 3. But I don't want to do the Chris Phelps special and set myself up for a fall depending well, on just, how the rest of the series goes. So right I'm going to down there in stone because I was going to approach it that we are just watching the pilot. That is it. If in Episode yeah. 2... yeah. And actually, by the time we release this, episode two is going to have come out as well. It comes out on Friday. Um, if you get yeah. fucking Jar Jar Binks popping up there, <laughs> a wee, sir, um, <laughs> then then that will be a different score. But I was going to approach it that I am just scoring this pilot and this pilot alone at this stage. No, Dave, you know what? I think that's actually a fair uh, argument, to be honest, because... As a pilot, it's an Asgard 
all day long. So, no, no, I think you're right. And I'm not just saying it because you just said it. I'll send it to Asgard, but I will put an asterisk against it because I think it's one of the best things I've seen in a long time, especially on TV. We've had so many shows and things finished recently that have ended on a damp squib, you know, and and this for me, has set it up for an absolutely astonishing series. So, no, I'll send it to Asgard, but I would like at some point for us to go back and review the whole series just to see if it, if it stands up to what we've originally uh, watched. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's a really good call. And, and again, <laughs> not for a fill I've led you, pushed you into Asgard there. But, <laughs> I mean, I, I would absolutely echo everything you've said there. I, th- I think in terms of what you expect from a pilot, in terms of being introduced to the characters, learning a bit about the characters, learning a bit about the world, the environment that they occupy, I think it did a great job. The music, the cinematography was fantastic. And I just, I'm just chomping at the bit to see the second one now. And, you know, that kind of, uh, that reveal at the end, of course, we had the fake out, didn't we? We didn't, didn't really speak about that. But I genuinely, for a second there, thought they blasted Baby Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> now I, I should have yeah. known better really that, that they would fake me out by that but I completely fell for it hook line and sinker and I, again the, you know the artwork in those end credits as well was just fantastic and it's just so I've watched it a couple of times you know before the next episode drops as well I'm going to be watching that again because there's so many easter eggs in this but it doesn't get bogged down with the easter eggs if you if you don't know, you know, if you haven't watched all of the the previous Star Wars movies previous, uh, you know, recently, you don't have to. You can just watch it. And like I say, one of the things you mentioned, Rogue One, one of the great things about that is it's kind of a war movie. You know, so it's got a completely different feel. It's nothing to do with the Sky Skywalkers. It's not really anything to do with the Jedi. There's no force being used here that we're aware of. But it's all in that Star Wars universe. And so I'm so excited about this whole series. And I think this is about the best we could have expected a pilot to be. So for me, it's an Asgard as well. No, Dave, fantastic. And thanks for being a politician there and changing my mind. I think you actually talk sense. Good. Feel the hatred. <laughs> you know, old Senator Palpatine, he's playing both sides in, in those prequels, which I kind of half forgot. And so, yeah. <laughs> sorry, he just reminded me of that. Just manipulating everyone. <laughs> I, think it's, I think one thing I would say, Dave, if you're a Star Wars fan, this will sell you on getting Disney Plus without a shadow of a doubt because if this is the level of production and I'm sure they're not all going to be you know 87% Rotten Tomatoes there's going to be some uh, that pretty crap or whatever because I know if the Apple TV stuff that's just come out there's not been one show that's got above I think 60 or 70% I think overall now they've been really poor Jason Momoa is just basically playing Aquaman in one of them and, and that's been slated um, and it's one Jennifer Anderson, and they tried to do what Disney have done and launch, you know, like these shows. Yeah. There's one called the Bre- I think it's Breakfast TV or something. And it's gone down. It's, as much as I love a bit of Jennifer Anderson, it's not gone well. But as with this, if this is what Disney are doing, and bear in mind, like you said, Dave, they've got the whole of the MCU directors, you know, because uh, they've got an episode eight of this. It's uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say this wrong, but uh, Taika. 
Wahititi. It's terrible, Dave. Sorry. He was the director of Four Ragnarok, and I know he's on for the next four as well. So he is directing episode eight of The Mandalorian. So they're using within what they know, Dave, the formula. John Favreau knows these people. So I just think that's great. And the production level of what I've seen is just something I'm, I'm actually salivating at it, Dave. And I, I genuinely can't wait to get my family and friends on it, you know, and get them invested in, in getting on Disney Plus because I just think what's possibly coming could be amazing I, I yeah i mean i'm i'm totally sold on it anyway i mean it's got x-men the animated series on there so i'm in <laughs> yeah. yeah i love that i love that from the 90s i love yeah, it so so i'm in just for that but if they produce original shows of this quality uh, yeah i mean it just makes it better and it just makes it such ridiculous value as well and so, you know, I know, you know, essentially Disney, are the, they're like the evil empire, aren't they? But at the end of the day, with that brand that they've got, people kind of think of like the cartoons they did, like Snow White and whatever, you know, the original Disney cartoons and where they kind of came from. But if you look at the brands that they own now, um, especially with bringing in all the 20th century Fox, do you, can you see maybe a John McClane Terminator crossover or something like that, Chris? Bit of Predator maybe as well. With yep, all of that yep. stuff <laughs> that they own and the talent, the writing talent, the directing talent, the acting talent, everything that they can pull to the table just has me excited for what's going to come to the to the future as well. And and one of the fears, I guess, for, for something like this, where you're you you know you're telling a story about a bounty hunter you know he's not he's not your classic hero he's definitely you know if he is going to be heroic he's going to be in the anti-hero pile um but the fact that you get this this alien snapped in half um within the first few minutes of the movie tells you you know this isn't this isn't the lion king you know if you're thinking pure disney um so this is its own thing and it, it's you know it's on that pg-13 level more so than a than a universal, isn't it? So, Dave, just before we go, I want to thank you again. Another great review. We are at episode 99, so it will be our 100th episode next week, Dave. So what a journey we've had. If you do want us to review something, guys, please email us, thecomicsemotionpodcast at gmail.com. Or if you're on Twitter, send us a tweet with some ideas, anything comic book movie-based or TV shows, and myself and Dave will shoe on it in our schedule. And that's at Comics in Motion P. And also, please get onto the podcast catching app and drop us a review. Just as myself and Dave get out there to more people. So, Dave, great start for Disney+. Plus. Great episode, Mandalorian. Have you got anything for us today? Well, it's been great to talk to you, Chris, but I am busting for the toilet, so I'm going to go evacuate my thorax. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm Eric Lentrack. Tell Xavier. Go fuck yourself. What in the ass? Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale of the night? I always ask that of all my prey. I just like the sound. Let's not stand on ceremony here, Mr. Wayne. Would you care to step outside? Come to me, son of Jarrell! Kneel before Zod! Why so serious? What's but a smile on that face? I am Iron Man. I'm Batman. And he's good. Whoa!